0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. What's better than this guys being dudes here on the draft dudes podcast. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the draft network. And we are your host here on this Thursday episode of the show that is brought to you by Bet Online. who would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march through the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year and they have a newly updated website. So head on over, sign up today, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAVE to get started. That's B-L-E-A-V. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to, for all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. And Bet Online is where the game starts. Kyle, happy Thursday to you.
1: Happy Thursday to you. The, uh, the wheels have been greased and the league is in motion. Finally, it has started. Head coaching hires at least two of them reported. There is a disputed third, uh, but at least two of them at this point uh, that have been formally announced, not by the team, but by reporters. And um, it feels like we are on the cusp of the wheel just completely rolling downhill. Chris, what do you got for us? It's
2: a, it's a bit of a mini we just because I want to make a joke the the USFL that's coming up that, that the, the spring hmm. league that's starting how many games are they going to play no idea are per, they going to they're per, not they're not per teams y- yeah they're not playing 16 right i'm going to guess it's like 4 6 so whatever the 7 and 9 equivalent of that is what the Michigan Panthers are going to do because they just made oh, jeff, jeff fisher, fisher the coach so let's go. So, so so you wanted head coaching news. I got some head coaching news for the, you. The whatever Michigan they're, Panthers. They're the Michigan Panthers. And whatever the USFL equivalent of seven and nine is, that is what I predict. They will go. You got to cancel the team right now and start over the
1: Michigan Panthers. <laughs> right. What's the point? <laughs> They can't be the Wolverines. That's a bit of a copyright problem.
0: You could be no, anything. pig. you know
1: there, there's endless amount of animals that you could choose from, <laughs> and all of them would probably make more sense for the state of Michigan than a panther.
0: All right, so we've got we've got the names of the teams here. We have the Michigan Panthers. Okay. We have the New Jersey Generals. The Philadelphia okay. Stars. Okay. The Birmingham Stallions. Okay. The, the Pittsburgh Maulers, you better have a good offensive line if you're going to be the Pittsburgh Maulers. Right. Houston Gamblers, that's one we've heard before. The New Orleans Breakers, which is better than the Pelicans because I think Pelicans is the worst mascot in professional sports. The that's, Tampa that's... Bay Bandits, and that's it. That That's your teams.
1: So, okay, so the Tampa Bay one is kind of a knockoff of the Bucks. the Bandits and the Bucks, That's cool. So, yeah, the, I mean, the Panthers is – we got to rebrand already. Right. Like it's not too late. We can redesign everything. Is that? Yeah. Well,
0: that they need to at? redesign everything. Let me, let me just drop in the chat here. All of the logos that I found in a very, Oh, very uh, good. Yeah. Uh, I just got to figure Chris out how to
1: demoralize because we're supposed to be talking about NFL coaching hires Yeah, and tomorrow's the free for all. And we are way off the rails, but you well, can't tell us that Jeff Fisher's coming back. Right. I understand what I'm And thinking.
0: To be the coach of the Michigan Panthers. Now, in, in fairness to us, we're recording
2: this show at a different time, so we have all the time in the world to we just do whatever we want today.
0: Fans the of the Denver are Broncos are, are just fired up right now.
2: I'm in on the breakers and the stars. These so, are two, so wait a and minute. Stallions are solid. The Houston gamblers have to go for two and never punt and always go for it on fourth down. Like, they're never going to do anything yeah. conventional, right? Like, that's the only way this works. Never
0: punt, yeah.
1: Never you punt, have a go for two. Yeah. Like we don't have a kicker on our team, sort of thing. Right. So again, I ask, what is the point of the Michigan Panthers?
0: <laughs> their their logo is just as disappointing as their name.
2: Doesn't it kind of look like it's the it's central the Michigan scheme? Yes,
1: the From, colors with the right. It's and, and it's the not font. Not quite that same brown, but it's the gold got that yes. font going on.
2: Right. And the Philadelphia Stars, though that logo is kind of nice. That color scheme is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's agree. like a retro 70s, almost looks like, the, I don't know if you guys know the Spectrum, uh, the, the, yes. the Spectrum Center in Philadelphia. Yes. Like that, It gives me Philadelphia Spectrum vibes. I like it. I'm a fan. I'll watch. I'm in. If you so the Breakers arm,
0: would be like the Wave Breakers?
1: Yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. I like their color scheme a lot. I might be a Breakers fan and I don't know it yet.
0: Uh, their color scheme is really good, but... Oh, it's twelve Nathaniel. weeks. Twelve Wait, listen, weeks. We, we've seen the Tennessee Titans screw up that color scheme.
1: All right. Right. Well, they that's they put they put knives on their shoulders. So two two colors. They, they don't have anybody to better the than themselves.
0: Random panels everywhere. Just the weirdest fonts. Just the worst uniform in pro sports. Tennessee Titans. All right. So anyway, Nathaniel Hackett, head coach, Denver Broncos. After a couple seasons. In Green Bay as the offensive coordinator there. Previous to that, he was the Jaguars offensive coordinator from 16 through 18. Obviously, Blake Bortles' 2017 campaign under his care. A QB coach in Jacksonville 2015 to 2016. The Bills offensive coordinator 2013 and 2014. So he worked with E.J. Manuel and Kyle Orton there. Prior to that, Syracuse with Doug Marone. What are your, what are your initial thoughts here on... Nathaniel Hackett taking over this job in Denver.
1: I want to know how. Tell me you're full court pressing for Aaron Rodgers without telling me you're full <laughs> court pressing for Aaron Rodgers. Right. I mean, that's that's the impression that I get. You know, th- this felt like hot and heavy Dan Quinn early on. It was like considered a sh- oh, Quinn's going to get the, the Denver job. Well. Some kind of intervention happened because they completely readjusted and reacclimated their focus and shifted gears and Nathaniel Hackett very quickly got momentum did think it was interesting that they when they got wind that Jacksonville who was sitting there being cute with um their own head coaching situation and trying to leverage and get Hackett back for a second interview Denver said okay we're done playing games we're gonna go ahead and close the door now and then shut this thing up so um yeah I I think it's a good step in the right direction for them needing to get better on offense, especially when you consider the talent that's at their disposal in Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris, you got something for us?
2: I got another USFL coach if you want one. They just oh, announced Lord, another Lord. one. The New Orleans Breakers <laughs> will be led by former North Carolina coach Larry Fedora. Oh, no. Oh. Couldn't I win in North break- Carolina.
1: Carolina. Can't be a Breakers fan now. <laughs> right. I'm, we're out. I'm all the way out. <laughs> I like Larry, but yeah, no, he's I'm not going to hitch dude, my wagon there. That. Yes, shape, he guy. is. Not going to hitch my wagon to that, though.
0: So we we were talking about Nathaniel Hackett, full court press for Aaron Rodgers, the merits of his resume and um, his experiences. One thing that I can appreciate about the, the history of, of Nathaniel Hackett in the NFL is it feels like he's been able to coordinate some good rushing offense. You saw that in Jacksonville. You saw it in in Buffalo. uh, You saw that in in Green Bay as well. And I think that's going to be important as we think about Denver. And that team's most dangerous when they can be physical up front and they can run the football and they can wear you down. Playing a mile high stadium late in the fourth quarter, you're huffing and puffing. And now you got to tackle Javante Williams. Right. I think that's something that's really interesting to me. And you have to love the pass catching talent that exists there. And so. You have the right offensive mind here to kind of like maximize what you have offensively. Obviously, you need to get the quarterback piece right. And then it's just a, a matter of trying to build on the defense that was already in place. And so, you know, that's a that's a tough division there when you're looking up at Kansas City and, and what's happening with, with the Chargers. And I mean, the Raiders were their playoff team this past year. They're going to do something splashy at coach. And so I think this kind of gives them an opportunity to tap into what can make Denver stand out in a really tough division.
1: Yeah. And, uh, if they end up being aggressive with that head coaching spot and getting an offensive mind in there or at that quarterback spot, they are very much in the conversation. I think what, what would be more interesting is do they have enough horses pun intended, or perhaps not? I'll let you be the judge. Uh, (laughs) To try to pull off the coveted double dip of Devontae and Aaron Rodgers. And you could send Jerry Judy back, yeah, right? Of course. You you pay Cortland Sun, you pay Tim Patrick. Judy's been good when he's been healthy, but I know he struggled a little bit with drops. But if you send him back to Green Bay, if they put the franchise tag on him, because I I know Aaron's trying to make his decision in time for the franchise tag deadline, so that Green Bay can make a decision and not be disrespectful to the organization. But I refuse to believe that Green Bay is just going to let Devontae Adams walk.
0: It's going to be tough, man. They're Get they're away. really they're really up against it with the cap, man. So mm-hmm. a lot of creative things are going to be necessary to fit it all, you know. So could be the end of an era there um just one other note here on on nathaniel hackett as i kind of remember my exposures to him from his time in buffalo one of the prevailing things that everybody said about hackett is that he is just full of energy like just this crazy amount of energy every single day and that's never a bad thing to say about a guy that's getting ready to take over as a head coach and obviously that's you know, that was back in 2013 and 2014. So he's had a lot of time now to like grow um, as a coach and he's had different exposures. And when he took over for Buffalo in 2013, I mean, he really didn't have any meaningful NFL experience, just some quality control work uh, and his, his real opportunity as a, as a coordinator was at Syracuse in 2011 and 2012 back with Ryan Nassib in that group. And so um, I don't know that he was ready for that job in 2013 and 2014, but you have to think through his exposures in the league and um, obviously his father, Paul Hackett, a uh, you know, big time coaching background there that he's probably had a good, good, good spot right here to step into this situation, especially if, you know, if he gets Aaron Rodgers to come with him.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm playing the game right now, Joe, you know, the game that we like to play where we say something and then we we pull it out and we do it like live on the air. Oh, I thought you were playing Wordle. No, I you know, I haven't done I haven't tried Wordle yet. I'm
2: not doing it. Yeah, I'm not Dude, doing it. Dude, it don't don't. As somebody who does it on a daily basis, it messes with you all day when you get it wrong.
0: Nah, I just I'm at that point and Kyle's there too, man. I just I, I only have so much time in my shit. i don't have the bandwidth, yeah. right? Like it's all about if I'm if I'm doing that, it's taken away from something else, which is either my work or my family. And it just you can't make those type of trades. Uh
1: so I have Traded Aaron Rodgers. I've released Zadarius Smith, Billy Turner, and Adrian Amos, and restructured Kenny Clark, David Bakhtiari, and Aaron Jones. And oh, I've is that all? The Packers. That's all. I've I have gotten the Packers to five point seven million dollars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, okay, we got a draft class to sign. <laughs> Other players yeah, you got to fill out your damn roster.
1: You know what I didn't realize? Preston Smith is a goner. You know what his cap hit is, Preston Smith? Guessing pretty high. $20.9 million, Preston Smith. Mm, Healthy. Now, if you release him, you could say 13.7. Now I've got you up to $19.5 million by releasing Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, Billy Turner, restructuring Bakhtiari, Kenny Clark, Aaron Jones and trading Aaron Rodgers. How do we feel? Now I could put Devontae Adams on the franchise tag and trade him. <laughs> That's a lot of steps, man. Well, so, I snaps. think the restructures are pretty straightforward. You're you're going to be hurting in the pass rush department because you're releasing Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. But the only other players you're losing are are Billy Turner, who I understand has been a starter for you, but he's you, know, you should be able to find he's a competitive replacement. Yeah. And Adrian Amos. Okay. Done. Done. We there can do this, Green Bay. Goody, call me up. We'll work through it. We'll lock it in. But this was yeah. not the only head coaching job.
0: No. Yeah.
1: The Bears. So now we're going to talk about the Chicago Bears. And their transition from Ryan and Matt to Ryan and Matt two point oh baby two. Joe, you 0. got the uh, you got the bio dialed up. Yeah, I got it dialed up. Matt okay, Eberflus,
0: head coach of your Chicago Bears, spent the last uh, couple of seasons with the Indianapolis Colts as their defensive coordinator. He's held that job since twenty eighteen. Then he had a long run with with Dallas two thousand eleven through two thousand seventeen as their linebackers coach. Where you know he gets a lot of credit for the development of Sean Lee uh, before that he's the linebackers coach in Cleveland with the browns two thousand nine to two thousand and ten then he had a long run as Missouri's defensive coordinator two thousand and one to two thousand and eight and then before that it was a bunch of time spent at Toledo, which is his alma mater and where he's from he's a Toledo, Ohio native now the head coach of the Chicago Bears in Indianapolis over the last four seasons where he was their defensive coordinator. Um, They had a top 10 scoring defense in three of those four seasons. And I can tell you, this is is I've been pretty dialed in on Indianapolis. I I mean, over his tenure there, I always think that defense is really good. And I think he's done a really good job of maximizing the talent. I think there's players that have come there and played above expectations. Um, I think he's done a really good job of maximizing guys like Darius Leonard, you know, turning him into an absolute superstar. What they got out of, out of Danico Autry when he was there, Grover Stewart's really developed a lot of young players on that defensive line. Uh, those safeties. I mean, just from a defensive perspective, I just, I'm very impressed with what Matt Eberflus has been able to do with not necessarily these like high premium, you know, top five pass rushers, right? Like, that's not on that roster. But he's been able to really maximize a lot of young players and and players that I thought were kind of journeymen that go to that Colts team, and they play really good on defense.
1: What is your palette for this decision and Justin Fields?
0: Well, um, I think he's gotta get the right offensive coordinator. That's gonna be important. I think that's something we say every time a uh, defensive minded head coach gets hired. It's all about who's the coordinator coming with him. So
1: are are you privy to who that is reported to to be leaning towards?
0: I think I saw something um a was it a passing game coordinator for
1: Philadelphia. Philadelphia the Kevin, Eagles. Kevin yes. Petulo
0: which Eagles people that I know don't seem to be overly fond of that.
1: So, But I will say that, they got a lot out of Jalen Hurts. They, they did. Uh, I guess piggybacking off of that, I was surprised that that was – I mean, Jim Caldwell was getting consideration for this job. Yeah. Heavy consideration for this job. And that, to me – Probably would have been, and I get the identity of Chicago, and they've always played tough defense. And But I, I, I'm probably doing what I can with respected veteran, experienced head coaches on the market with offensive backgrounds and developing quarterbacks. I don't know that this would have been the direction that I would have taken. And that's not to say that it's doomed to fail or that it's wrong, right? It's just me outlining my own expectations on how I would tackle that would not have led me necessarily to Matt Everflus. It's
0: it's, um, it's what we see a lot of teams do whenever they move on from a coach. They want to get kind of the opposite of that coach. Right. So they get this bright offensive mind in Matt Nagy to come over his experience with Andy Reed. Now they're like, no, let's just go back to that rock solid defensive minded guy. You know, it's kind of kind of smells like that to a bit.
2: If I may yeah. jump in here, I, that Eberflus was one of the names that was thrown around for the Jets head coaching search before they ultimately ended up with Robert Sala, and it was kind of the same thing, that somebody on the defensive side of the ball, after they kicked Adam Gase to the curb, we, all right, we tried this whole offensive strategy of hiring somebody on that side of the ball. Let's go the complete opposite direction and hire somebody on the defensive side of the ball. So Iberflus is a name that I certainly, you know, grew to know more about in the process, and he seemed to check all the boxes for me. He was on my short list when the Jets job was up, Uh, And so I think Chicago did a fantastic job here. They just need to get the coordinator and the offensive coaching staff correct for their young quarterback.
0: And if I recall, one of the big things that we talked about when he was in consideration for the Jets job, as well as some others, was that he was at least privy and exposed to kind of Tony Romo's glow up in Dallas. And I look, you can't it's hard to say how much the deep the linebackers coach influenced that or really was able to partake in the dynamics that went into something like that. But he's at least seen that.
1: Yeah. And um I like that he's well traveled. You no, know, been in a couple different spots. He's not incubated. I think that's something that I'm gonna grow to appreciate more with head coaching candidates is um guys who have been in different, different, a couple different spots. Even if they're not don't work their way up the chain, but just kind of that, it's a relationship business, and everything to some degree is a relationship business. But being at different spots and and having different exposures to different people is really going to help you to build out a staff when you get this opportunity. So I think his travels will help him in diversifying and not being within one small incubated bubble when it comes time to piecing together an assistant staff.
0: Kyle, I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of your thoughts there are rooted in Brian Flores and what you just experienced in Miami, where he was in one spot forever, new England and his ability to fill out a staff and manage a staff from people from different backgrounds was, you know, part of what the issue was there. And, and, um, And you can affirm that or not, but I'll also kind of build into a talking point on Brian Dayball, who's probably going to be either the Dolphins coach or the Giants next coach. He's a guy that distanced himself. He separated himself from that Belichick tree a little bit and went to several different places. And he has that inventory of exposures and opportunities to have been with other people to feel like he's got a, a nice Rolodex of candidates that he could tap into to build out his staff.
1: Yeah, I think you look at how Flores constructed the offensive side of the ball and the offensive staff that he had. And his original offensive coordinator was Chad O'Shea, the wide receivers coach in in New England. And they brought in Jim Caldwell. And Jim Caldwell had some health problems and needed to step away. And he was in a consulting role. So it was Brian Flores and fellow Patriots assistant Chad O'Shea. And we got to the end of that season and he fires O'Shea. And Caldwell leaves doesn't take a job anywhere else, just leaves. And the only significant relationship that existed was with Ryan Fitzpatrick and his buddy, Chan Gailey, that they pulled out of retirement after several years out of the game. And then, well, we bench Fitz for Tua, and Tua doesn't know that playbook, so we're going to transition again the following offseason. They had an offensive coordinator search for six weeks that eventually just kind of resulted with, yeah, we're coaching the senior bowl. We're going to let our tight ends coach and our running backs coach serve as co-offensive coordinators. And that it was actually a trial for them to actually implement co-offensive coordinators because they couldn't have anybody else that was interested in taking the job. So like if you burn through your connections that fast and you don't have anybody else on call and Flores was a life from the Patriots system. He started as a scout and he was an offensive coach, special teams, and then over to defense and like, that's your only social circle and you run out of networks. And the only reason you had Shane Gala to call upon was because Ryan Fitzpatrick, <laughs> right? That's a problem. Like you can't, that, that he couldn't get an offensive co- uh, line coach to save his life. He had to go out and, and hire some 37 year old coach. Lem, a uh, former player who'd never held the job before. Why? Cause he, who's been, who's been the Patriots offensive line coach for forever before yeah. he recently retired. Right, Skarnecchia. So who who do you have in the pipeline? Nobody. You don't know anybody. Right. You know nobody who's capable of taking that job unless you're going to talk Skarnecia to coming out of retirement. So, yeah, guys that have been in a, a number of different spots and, and been at it with different people instead of the same circle is, is definitely a big plus for me now in reviewing the things that went right and went wrong with this most recent uh, Dolphins cycle for me personally.
0: How many, more, how many more vacancies are getting filled, like, imminently in the next 24 well, to 36 hours?
2: We should talk about what's going on in Jacksonville. That probably should be the last one that we talk about here on the show. Big it, power
0: play you know, by Byron Lefwich?
2: Because that's certainly what it looks like is going on. So, Chris, why don't you Good set the him. table on, on that? So... Reports came out this morning from a longtime local Cardinals reporter who still covers the Cardinals here in Arizona, that current Cardinals executive, somebody part of Steve Kime's staff, former player for the Cardinals, Adrian Wilson, was going to become the new general manager in Jacksonville with Byron Lefwich as the head coach. And so for those of you who may be keeping track of this at home, the Jags have a general manager. Trent Baalke is their current general manager there. In Jacksonville, well, it is being kind of high. There's reports on this that Leftwich basically said, Listen, I am not taking this job with Trent Balky as the GM. So, you either get my guy in Adrian Wilson, or thanks, but no thanks. I'll go take interviews elsewhere, or I'll stay coaching Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next season. And it appears as if at least it's trending in the direction that Leftwich won that battle. Now, Kyle, right before we jumped on to record the show, you mentioned to me. That Leftwich is still potentially getting another interview for one of the other jobs that's available. New Orleans, I think, was the one that you said mm-hmm. that you threw out to me. So I don't know if it's done, done, but it's certainly like with this report coming from this market and the person that it is—it's it, somebody that I know has well good connections inside that building. And so I would assume that that they, they've got pretty good intel on this. So I'm surprised that it hasn't been a done deal yet. But but yeah, Jacksonville—they're a mess. They're a dysfunction.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is this is handicapping your head coach. And I, I guess the question that I would ask is this. If Byron Leftwich has been your guy all along, and the hire hasn't been done because Byron Leftwich fundamentally agrees with the general manager that's in place, like, guys, you're not on the same page with the first freaking decision that you have to make. How did you predetermine all these weeks ago that this is your guy? How is that possible? Please answer the question. I'm getting head shakes. How is that possible?
2: Can I offer offer a potential solution? You're not going to like it, but I will offer a potential solution. There was a lot of media and fan-driven connection of, oh, Byron should get a head coaching job. The Jags job is open. This makes so much sense. He returns to Jacksonville. He coaches up a young quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. And that media narrative snowball got so out of control that the Jags internally, Shad Khan internally was like, well, we can't not do this. We can't not talk to him without really working through the particulars that you're talking about. And this snowball has now become an avalanche. And it's just out of control to the point where they don't know what they're doing.
1: Well, wouldn't surprise me, but... You know, that's also beginning with the end in mind, which is the best way to guarantee that you're going to have problems and your process is bad.
0: Byron Lefwich wasn't a good quarterback in Jacksonville. Like, he was a number seven pick in that draft, and he he was not a meaningful starting wow. quarterback for oh, that. I,
2: I, I think that's a little hurtful. To Byron. It's not hurtful. He, didn't, he, he wasn't is,
0: good. But, he did not feel the promise of being sir. a top ten pick at quarterback. What's the obsession? What's the obsession to bring him back to Jacksonville? Like, maybe you're interested in what he's been able to accomplish in his three years in Tampa, and that's the big appeal. Okay. But, like, the reunion piece of this is the weird part because it's not like this was a player that endeared himself to this franchise by rewarding them for their uh, willingness to pick him number seven overall.
1: A winning record? Joe acting like Byron Lefwich is the starting quarterback in Jacksonville doesn't have a winning record. Twenty-four and twenty as a start.
2: You you give me
0: another
1: quarterback.
2: Wins
0: our quarterback stat, right? Was that what we're going to have this conversation?
2: Yeah,
0: we know. There, come on. So
2: okay, okay. So Joe, let me. I'll take your point for just a second here. He's a very well-established coordinator that has done well. So
0: as long as it, it's about that, now I can live with that. But you can't sit here and like this reunion thing. But as the, the, the catalyst like i don't you're, not, I don't you're gonna that.
2: ignore that you're gonna ignore that it's somebody who has a connection with that fan base now you can if you want to tell me that that's a bad approach and you don't need to quote unquote win the press conference that's fine but you're telling me that that's not playing into this that they don't recognize that man this I'm is an telling you coaching candidate
1: come on man that, that well i could see both sides of this because their their last one was an off the wall hire and it was a disaster unmitigated disaster that urban Meyer was the the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I do think from a PR perspective, when your head coach is in the headlines for all the wrong reasons, for the entirety of the season, I do think there's a little extra weight for a well-received hire this time. Now, this is, this is not a friendly business for those with thin skin and, and getting their feelings hurt by criticism, right? So at the end of the day, you should be hiring the best person for the job based on their qualifications. But the work that Byron Lefwich has done in Tampa Bay as the offensive coordinator, I think makes him very qualified for the job. So that's kind of where it's like it's a meeting of both ends of the spectrum. And maybe that's why it's such a commonly accepted uh, foregone conclusion. Maybe. I don't, I'm just trying to speak objectively about it. I have a take for you, Joe. Okay. David Garrard was a better quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars than Byron Leftwich. <laughs> David Garrard, I, I,
0: okay, just spitballing. I look up, I think upon him, like I haven't looked at any numbers, but I feel yeah. like I felt like he was a better player. He was like a Pro Bowler and stuff like that.
2: Uh, He, yes, he made the Pro Bowl one time. Dude, Byron Leftwich had four fourth quarter comebacks in two thousand four. Four. They won. He won eight games. Half of his wins were fourth quarter comebacks. David Guard's
1: final season, he had five game-winning drives in fourteen starts. It's crazy. They went the Jacksonville winnings, way.
2: You. It's the Jacksonville way. Pride How many East did Carolina. Bortles have? How many did Bortles have?
1: Oh geez, I don't know.
2: I think he had a he had a he had a couple.
0: Mark Brunel is the by take. Ever Jaguars quarterback?
1: Yes, Mark Brunel is. But I would I would say from a resume and accomplished accolades perspective, David Garrard is better quarterback in Jaguars lore than Byron Leftwich. And I'm going to take the fact that there's no dispute as a win, and that you guys agree.
2: <laughs> I don't I don't disagree immediately. I'll tell you that ooh, I don't. I
1: don't. Uh, fumbles were a problem though. Just kind mm-hmm. of reviewing his career, Garrard. He had 25 fumbles his last two years and he lost eight of them.
0: It's a healthy amount.
1: That, do
2: you know, what's, do you know what's fun? Do you know what's really fun? Looking at Byron Lefkowitz's, um pro football reference page, you know a guy's been around a long time. When he has seasons in which he doesn't have a QBR because QBR wasn't a thing and then he has right. seasons in which QBR is a thing, <laughs> that's fun. Right. That's a good time.
1: That kind of blending of the... Blending of the leagues. Is that all we have for right now? We got a big show tonight that we may want to tease before we get out of here. But yes, yeah. Chris, why don't you why don't you tell everybody about what's going on tonight?
2: Uh Yeah, the two gentlemen on this show, Kyle and Joe, were a part of a roundtable, the latest TDN 100. Keith Sanchez, uh, Damian Parson, also on that show. The uh, Shrine Bowl, Senior Bowl, coming up around the corner. We're all going to be at these events uh, over the next week or so. So we figured, hey, we'll give you a January TDN. Uh, 100 update right ahead of that. So the TD 100 is updated. That gets revealed tonight. Uh, there's some focus on some different positions that the guys haven't really talked about in weeks past. Through the risers and fallers and there's always a quarterback conversation that sneaks its way in there. Uh, but yeah, a lot of fun. You can catch that on the YouTube channel, uh, the Draft Network, 7 p.m. Eastern time tonight is when it goes. It premieres on YouTube. So check that out tomorrow on the show, the Friday edition of Draft Dudes. We're going to do a little odds and ends, things that maybe we didn't touch on in the TD 100, things that still stand out to the guys. They both put together ballots we will get to that on friday so yeah uh, a good
1: couple of days of content coming up here we will another usfl coach no bill belichick has been named the pro football writers of america's 2021 nfl executive of the year mm. what He's a dog shit take money. that is mm. with all due respect to the goat executive of the year hmm Guys went from seven and nine to 10 and seven, got 50 points dropped on them in the playoffs. Executive of the year. Are you kidding me? Spent more money than any team in the history of the NFL in nine days. Not my Jack Jones, Ramondre of the year. Stevenson, and Christian Barmore, executive of the year.
0: Maybe Duke Tobin deserves some consideration or. Yeah,
1: man. What Sneed or her. <laughs> What are we doing? Abysmal take, Chris. Make sure you put that timestamp in there so you can get that f bomb out. I'm sure that yeah, it's going to get marked as explicit because you did some cursing earlier. But that one I got to clean up. So we'll get. Well, on. you know, I'm 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 real fired up that that we all sat around and looked at all the resumes of all the executives across the league and said, yeah, thank goodness uh, the Patriots had uh, all this influx of talent when they had. Uh, all these COVID opt-outs last year and had this, you know, playing with all these players sitting out anyway because of concerns for health reasons and uh, all the money that they spent. And they got three extra wins for it and the same amount of playoff wins. It's, it's a little ridiculous. I can't believe it. Chris, also, we were for you. Uh, Calvin Ridley liked a tweet today about coming to the Dolphins. So, wanted to put that on your radar since... You and I have talked I about who, this
2: in the back <laughs> channels. You can have uh, Calvin Ridley. I'm trading for Amari Cooper. Okay, we're fine.
1: Okay, okay, great. Well, that's going to do it for us today on the show. Hope you guys enjoyed. Kyle Krabs, Joe or Chris Schubert. Make it a good one. We'll talk with you guys again tomorrow. Without the ones like you who work
0: tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day,